This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today joined by Dave Prentice, Gav Buckland and Adam Jones as we chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park this week. And there are some significant talking points from that as well, all coming from Sunday's um, cruel, horrible, crazy game, um, as your own description uh, in there uh, at Grusen, um 1-1 draw with Spurs. But of course, it was so much about what happened um, on the touchline in front of the dugouts, which has dominated the headlines. Um, the guys obviously podded on Monday, got a lot off the chest, um, but simmering emotions, feelings still very much there to be uh, shared. Um, I think the best pl- place to start is obviously since the pod... Um, Spurs um, uh, appealed Son's red card preno and um, have had it overturned. Uh, yeah. What was your thoughts on that decision? Not quite as uh, absolutely furious as I was at the weekend. I didn't watch the game from the press box at the weekend, fortunately, because journalistic reserve and uh, dispassion went out the window. I was so, so frustrated by what I was seeing during that game. And that's continued this week. Um I understand, you know, so why the red card was overturned, even though I don't agree with it. Uh, it's yet another instance of officialdom and VAR decisions, you know, which has gone against Everton. There's an increasingly vast number. And, you know, you always feel like, you know, so why always us? You know, so every football club feels that way. But it does feel that this season, Everton do have, you know, f- far more than their fair share of VAR decisions go against them. But then what really, really riled me over the last couple of days, it's just like apparent canonization of Buddy, you know, so Hung Min Son for having the, you know, so the good grace to apologize for, you know, a, a serious injury. I mean, I totally accept that he didn't mean uh, to to injure Andre Gomez, but he certainly meant to foul him. Yeah. You know, there was a, a degree of burning injustice going on in his mind because he just received, you know, a, clock, a bang in the face and, you know, so his nose was obviously, his eyes were obviously watering. And uh, so he went hunting down Gomez and put in a, a, a lunging challenge. It was reckless to me and endangered the safety of an opponent. So there's no way that should be overturned, but it has been. But then, you know, because he apologised, you know, so he put his hands together and he gave this, you know, very gracious gesture after scoring, you know, for Spurs in the Champions League. You suddenly see all kinds of people, even Gary Lineker, you know, so well, I like Gary Lineker a lot, uh, but, you know, be, be giving a pat on the back and, you know, so saying how much he admires in this gesture. Well, I'm sorry, you, you can't just apologise for, you know, sort of creating ruling somebody out of the game for five or six months and suddenly, you know, be seen to be seen as a saint, which appears to be the case in this. Andre Gomez is, is the part of the victim in all this, not not Hung Min Son, which is what people seem to be, you know, sort of aiming towards. What did I see before the game? He might not be in the right mental state to play this game. Well, Andre Gomez isn't going to be a right state to play a game for about five or six months. The whole thing just leaves me with a very, very sour taste. And um, I just feel quite frustrated by it. Um, I got that off my chest. I feel a little bit better now. But it was, the whole situation, the whole circumstance has been dealt with very badly, I think. And uh, Everson seems to have come off worse than us. Gav, we'll come back to the the kind of, um, as Preno alludes to, this narrative perhaps that has been um, uh, spun, should we say. But what was your, uh, just to start with, what's your reaction to the red card? Totally agree with Preno. I somebody texted me on Monday afternoon, I think, and said, "We said, what do you think the chances are of uh, the card being 
rescinded. Uh, it's the only sort of time in English language the word rescinded is used, isn't it? Like, you know, Adrift I said, and I, I, said <laughs> I can't say it because of the political sensitivities. I had Gomez's injury and, and the fallout from it. And also the fact that over, you know, so overruling referees' decisions is sort of, you know, one to try and avoid that. And mm. therefore I said they couldn't, they couldn't see it happening. And I was amazed that it was um, rescinded. And, and I can't believe... I can't believe why people don't think it's a red card, and 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 I say that it's because, and you won't believe this. I've actually done a bit of research on this. You've always, always done research. You always do. Law twelve. Yeah. Of he's got a bit of chip association paper, football. Yeah, yeah. This is a bit of tippy paper, but this has got law twelve on. Okay, and I've got me reading glasses on with me, so I'm. It says this is the. the it's two parts to it. Uh, any player who so this is serious foul play, law twelve, but this is a red card. Any player who lunges at an opponent for the ball from the front, from the side, or from behind using one or two legs with excessive force or endangers the safety of an opponent is guilty of serious foul play. Now, I think, obviously, does lunge yeah. from behind. And I think it's the safety of the opponent. So it's not, it's not you've got to then injure him. It's just endangering the safety here. And for me, the key thing is, you know when the people show the, 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 the tackle of, of Son on... on um, Gomez and it's from the front so you're looking towards the park end and you just see that tackle from behind you just think people say well that's a yellow card tackle the key to me in all of this is Aurier and where he is on the pitch is that by tackling Gomez Son is almost basically 100% cause and there's going to be an impact there between Aurier and Gomez if he if he's prone if he's lying on the pitch which is exactly what happened isn't it you know, so he's quite clearly, regardless what's happened to Andre in the interim, like obviously his 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 like his buckled underneath him, even if not had happened, he would have been clattered by Aurier anyway, yeah. as a result of where Aurier was on the pitch. And and Son knows that. When he doesn't doesn't know he's not you know, he's not saying I'm doing this so Aurier will clatter. Yes. So he, yeah, he yeah. sees that Aurier is right by him. So by so it's not as if Aurier has just appeared out of thin air. And so, to me, he's endangering the safety of the poem because by clattering him, you're making it 100% likely that you're going to be clattered not only from the front, but from the side as well by another Spurs player. And there, for me, that is quite clearly endangering the safety of, 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 of their the opponents. And what, what drives you mad is you've seen that on Sunday where you've got a seriously injured player by Gomez who probably would have been injured anyway regardless of if it's like... Mm had not buckled underneath him by the fact that he's been taken from behind and then from the side is there's actually no there's no yellow card for the whole thing's been wiped hasn't it from Son so it's not just a yellow card it's the whole is that right sorry I'm not I sure anyway the red card's gone anyway and Aurier didn't get booked either did right, he yeah. so you're seeing the complete mess that two Spurs players made of him on Sunday and there doesn't appear to be and as far as I'm concerned adequate disciplinary action that's being taken against probably both of them to be fair and I think that's wrong because I think that's wrong um, and it's made worse by the fact that Atkinson give Son a red card and then it's been you know it was explained on match of the day too on Sunday why it's been given because yeah. of Gomez's injury so yeah. somebody from the authorities has said that's why it's been given yeah. you know, within 24 hours they're saying no we're overruling it well what that's, that's nonsense do you think I've been trying to as we all have probably, and everybody who's been listening to this, trying to really kind of understand and it's been doing, probably wrecking people's heads. Just, I'm just trying to, for, for the purposes of a debate, 
is every challenge like that? Because there are countless challenges like Sons that go on every game, up and down the country, every week. If if the FA are going to say, oh, sorry, if referees are going to start sending players off because it endangers, you know, sticking by the rules and say it's endangering the opponent. There's so many tackles endanger opponents. But the, the, the problem is in this situation, you can actually physically prove that this one endangers well, yes, an opponent. Yes, but, but second yeah. point is... What happens there? And I, look, and I want to stress, I am not defending Son by any stretch. I'm just trying to understand the rules because this is the issue for me. What happens if that injured, right? So same situation. Son goes in on Andre Gomez. Andre Gomez loses his footing on the, on, on the turf. Doesn't break his ankle as happens. Hurts his knee, but gets up, plays on, goes off the pitch. Two days later, Everton go, he's done his ACL. So when's the red card coming? Yeah, a similar thing happened last year at Anfield when uh, Chaudhry uh, tackled Mo Salah and Jurgen Klopp made this huge fuss about it afterwards. And he was given a yellow card, I think, in that instance, but Klopp argued that it should have been a red. Now, Salah wasn't seriously injured, but he has been playing on with an injury, you know, and I suspect it was you know, caused in mm. that instance then. So similar kind of circumstances, but I, I think the officials seem to be making the rules off the hoof at the moment. But I mean, this is my point. I, uh, yeah. I don't understand. I mean, well, I don't understand it myself. I mean, the one that was completely new to me during that game was the Delhi Alley handball. Uh, the, you know, to every single person watching, given the way the rules are now, when his hand is in an unnatural position and when it's made contact with the ball and it's denied Everton, you know, to an opportunity, a goal, that should be a penalty, but it wasn't. And it wasn't apparently because he was being challenged by Yeri Mina. And I've never heard that before. That seems mm. to be like a new one on me. Mm. That, you know, it's just suddenly being invented. Surely every yeah. time somebody goes for a head so, in the penalty, they're being challenged for a the, ball. Wasn't the phrase in yeah. Adam something about if, if a, a player is under pressure? Under pressure, well, yeah. Every, every yeah. player in the box is yeah. under pressure. So yeah. again, it just underlines that they appear to be basically making these rules up as they go along. Yeah. Well, <laughs> two, two things to add to that. The other thing, I didn't know about VAR decision in itself can be reviewed. Mm. As well, which was the uh, was that the, the penalty on the yeah. son. I think going back to your original question about Phil, though, the, the key thing in, in the law is, is excessive force. Right. Okay. So if you, you can tip somebody up and he can go flying, you know, but if you've not used excessive force, that'll be a booking. It's weird yeah. excessive force, and and Sean didn't use excessive force. I would say on 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 on, on Sunday, but the, it's the law twelve says or. Oh, Endangers the safety of an opponent, yeah. and and what I'm saying, from my belief, is he endangers the safety of his opponent because Odie is running at speed towards mm-hmm. Gomez, and as a consequence of his his foul, Gomez is going to get battered twice. So once from behind and once from the sides, and that's what that's what happened on a, that's what happened on Sunday. So by the letter of the law, if that's the same situation, but Andre doesn't doesn't sustain any sort of injury, but he's just clattered and by Odie and and maybe get you know bruised. You know, but gets up and plays on. Is that not the same thing? Should he still not been sent because he is endangered? It's, it's excess, excess. Now, but I wouldn't say that's not endangering opponents. He just zips up and goes on. It, it's it's about as excessive force that's used, isn't it? Now, what I'm saying on Sunday, I don't think there was excessive force that was used. That's why people said that because we've seen worse tackles from behind. Of course, yeah. It's with it, it's it's the endangering the opponents, and if, if Odey's not there on Sunday yeah. and uh, some tackles from behind. And Andre just goes down. That's just like a booking, isn't it? Okay. Mm, yeah. It's the it's the appearance of Odie on the scene for me that means that Andre gets clattered twice 
and is obviously quite seriously endangered. Mm. Well, so to answer your question, tackle. Phil, I mean, to, to me, it's the, Martin Atkinson upgraded his decision yes. from a yellow to a red. It wasn't VAR telling him to do so. He did so himself because he witnessed the outcome and the repercussions. And to me, he understood that an opponent, you know, that Andre Gomez is... You know, so physicality had been endangered, you know, so by that yeah. tackle. Therefore, that's why he upgraded it. Yeah, yeah. So it's almost like, you know, the people who've rescinded the red card have decided that, well, no, that's not the case. But clearly, the outcome says it is mm. because, you know, he has been seriously injured. Yeah. Mm. Therefore, his, you know, he, he was at risk, he was endangered. I just don't understand the decision to rescind it at all. Mm. I really don't. Yeah. And, well, I, and I just think that sort of rubs, it's probably the wrong phrase, rubs salt into the rooms, isn't it, really? Because it's just like. It's just made it worse, yes. and it's it's made it's made Atkinson again. You got a bit of stick on Sunday's an understatement, but it <laughs> just makes the referees again look stupid. But, he, but he's, the, he's, he's dreadful anyway. And he yeah, always, I know he that. But he's getting, I think I think I mean, it's quite obvious that, that the Theo Walcott booking. Does anybody yeah. know why he was booked? Yeah. <laughs> What's that all about? Or why they reviewed that it could have been a red card? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's yeah, given a red card, and yeah. it's been rescinded. Yeah. Where the player's been seriously injured, and he's had a. Yeah, he's had that decision effectively overruled within mm-hmm. 24 hours. Yeah, well, that, in terms of his own reputation as a referee, that that, that doesn't do that doesn't do that is a favors. dangerous precedent. Yeah, and I I just think it was a red card, and by the letter of the law, and I can't believe there was enough scope on the day when you see the to, to actually change it, you know, to, to take that red card away mm-hmm. when you see what happened. And what I believe is like Odie is, is another one. Odie is somebody got away with something there as well. Interesting. Um, Adam, I think a lot of, as, as has been alluded to, a lot of Everton fans are trying to get their heads around what feels like the injustice of Spurs. You lost a player for 10, 15 minutes of one game. Mm. We've lost a player for five or six months. How is that appropriate? <clears throat> and I think it's just the narrative that's come out after the game as well is just that Spurs seem to be painting Son as almost like a second victim of this sort of scenario like we saw even in the build-up to this Champions League game you know some led the players out for the warm-up and stuff like that so they, do exactly they're, they're a step below wearing t-shirts in support of them yeah. for, for like yeah. for what what essentially boils down to a cynical a, a, yeah. an extremely cynical foul which has led to yes. a serious injury for one of our players I just I just don't understand how this narrative has come about and you know as Preno said he, he scored the goal and he made this big apology and everyone's instantly going, oh, what a gesture, what a gesture. It, it, it's empty. It, it, it's, a, it's a completely empty gesture. It, does, it, it means nothing to Everton fans. Like, there's the argument that, you know, Son missing three games doesn't really affect Everton in any any way, shape or form. And, you know... And it can't can't heal Gomez any quicker, Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And, and And in one respect, I don't think it does, but I think... The fact that nobody really is taking responsibility for what what has happened yes. is is a bit ludicrous to me. That, that's what I'm saying is, is that there's no player. I know that like, the RA thing is a fifty. It is a lot. Of, a couple of people said to me they thought RA should have been disciplined as well. No, and I get the fact that he. That I'm really sure his, what he could have done though. Yeah, I get that. I don't, a couple I don't of people said to me, but away. it's wrong as I say that Gomez has had a career-threatening injury and there's no Spurs player. Yes, who's appeared to be punished on be, that basis? Because 
this wasn't a simple case of Andre Gomez running down the wing yeah. and nobody was touching him and yeah. he just pulled off just because the injury in itself was accidental doesn't mean that the whole situation was accidental Son has meant to bring Gomez ga- yes, down in that situation exactly. he, he, he has meant to bring Gomez to the floor he obviously hasn't me- meant for the series of, of events yeah. that happened afterwards but he's still done something wrong yeah. And now he's not really been punished for yeah. the thing that it he's done wrong. It goes back to that word that endangers the safety of his opponents. That's mm. what he's done. And the fact is, even if Gomez has, had not been put his leg in the turf and, you know, we know what happened there, even if he's, he's gone forward, his momentum fell to the floor, or they would have clattered into him anyway. And you could have argued in that eventuality that was a sending off offence mm. because Gomez has clearly endangered an opponent. And the whole thing, to me, just it, it just... We have to remember here that Andre's the one who suffered. We can all moan about it, but we're just observers. The whole thing for me, from and I get that something as well. The whole thing to me is just it's just farcical, utter nonsense all week. And you know, don't get me on to about empty gestures on social media. Yeah. You know, as an old timer, mm. the whole the, the, this full, full, social media is full of empty gestures. Yeah. You know, and I, so if Son didn't score on last night. What would he have done? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. And it's just the whole and and that thing, the what, whole thing with Son as well. I totally disagree with it. I would have played the very low key. What do we make about? I mentioned earlier in in the, in the podcast about this narrative that has sprung up um, because on a number of Mondays back pages in the national newspapers, the um, emphasis was on Son rather than Gomez. Yes, Gomez, of course, was was mentioned in headlines or subdecks, yeah. but it was more to do with what was what Sun was suffering. Sun will see psychologists. Sun will is feeling traumatized. Why? It's uh, well because it, it suits you know sort of the national media to you know take the story on to a degree. I'm just trying to think of um, who was the best Brom striker that you know Rondon. James McCarthy Rondon. Mm. Now you know the fact that I couldn't remember his name there apart from me getting on a bit uh, actually <laughs> indicates how Rondon played that. You know, so he, he was genuinely distraught. It was a genuine accident. You know, he genuinely apologised, but he played it low key, as you yeah. just suggested. You know, so he didn't, you know, make any grand gestures. You know, so the next time he scored a goal, you know, you know, he, he basically apologised to James McCarthy, even though it wasn't his fault. He yeah. couldn't do anything about it. Uh, it was just one of those genuine freak accidents. Whereas Son seems to have been playing to the gallery. He seems to have like... Is he trying know, too hard? I think he is, certainly, yeah. I mean, I, I understand why he was so distraught uh, at the game on Sunday, even though, I have to say, I took quite a dim view, you know, of his, you know, his distress on the pitch. I just wanted him off the pitch. You know, to me, he was inflaming the situation even more by, you know, standing around there. And, you know, I think, you know, he got the red card and he should have just been like, sort of let off the pitch immediately. Um it was almost like, look, you know, so I'm I'm hurting here, you know, so I'm struggling here. And, you know, I'm sure he wasn't doing it, you know, deliberately to try and influence anybody. But, you know, clearly that was witnessed by the guys in the in the press box. They've seen a story there and they've taken it on a degree. Even though to me the narrative should more have been more about Andre Gomez than about, you know, sort of his distress. His distress was psychological, you know, which is, you know, difficult in itself but Andre Gomez is physical and as a result you know won't be playing football for a long time the whole situation is just deeply deeply unsatisfactory yeah. I think there's a wide narrative there it's obviously one of the things that the focus has been for a while is the mental health of sportsmen and sportswomen isn't yeah. it and that's part you know it's part yeah. of that thing of course, yeah. the, the, the son thing and, and I, I you know I, I get that get that aspect but there need, needed to be a balance which yes. I don't think is necessarily there um, really, and um, I, I just left a bit, left me a bit uneasy 
all that celebrate, you know, that thing last night, mm. you know, and there's people saying, oh, it's great, classy, yeah, all right. Well, I mean, I think, do that. I think this narrative has only got legs because it's Hyun Min Son as well. Everyone really knows the character of Hyun Min Son, you know, he's always seemed to be a smiley sort of individual, you know, ne- mm. never really lets anything get to him on a football pitch, like... To, to be fair, this is the second time he's got sent off for lashing out this yeah. season. He got sent off away at Bournemouth for lashing out a little bit as well. But, you know, in general, mm. he seems to be like a smiley sort of individual. If you, like, not to, not to pick him out in any way, but say like Granit Xhaka did, did what did what yeah. happened to Gomez, I don't think there'd be any, any sort of similar yeah. narrative in the media at all. I think it's maybe... The kind of player and the, his kind of temperament, yeah. which is oh, allowed totally. this, yeah. uh, and, and I'm not sure that's necessarily his fault. Like yeah. I, I think it, I, I do, I do genuinely think his reaction on the pitch was how he was yeah. really, yeah, yeah, really absolutely. feeling yeah, in that I situation. Agree. And you know, it's not his fault that it's been, you know, been taken on the way it has by uh, by some. A player's reputation does go before him. You know, if that had been one of the more physical Spurs players, it would have been very, very different. I'm thinking back to when uh, when Jamie Redknapp uh, stamped quite horrendously down at Tim Cahill's shin. Uh, in a match of goodness and, and was sent off and there was a big you know sort of furor afterwards Jamie Adams not the type of player Jamie Adams doesn't do that and you know he sort of escaped well, to did. a certain degree <laughs> yeah. even yeah. though he did do it and you know you, you know, you're playing Premier League football you've got an edge to you you have to have an edge to survive and you know Hung Min Son might be you know this very angelic faced you know sort of individual but he's got a real ruthless edge to him otherwise he wouldn't be surviving in Premier League football mm. And you know that that was displayed, unfortunately, during the match on yeah. Sunday. Was it, you know what? I was going to ask you. You know what that game on Sunday reminded me of? But it's like bitterness and sort of after effect was the uh, showing our age here. Going, the the derby game, the first of March, nineteen eighty, when Jimmy Case, Jeff, Jeff yeah, Nolte, yeah. and Dixie yeah. Dean died that day yeah. as well. And that was that was a horrible yeah. bitter occasion a little bit you know a little bit about mm. like Sunday and I was trying to think of like a game like Sunday that I can remember and that was that derby was, was one of them that had well, obviously the after effects Seth Nolte's career was ended yeah that day, so. and obviously Dixie died so I'm yeah. give it an exit um, yeah. and that was a horrible bitter game and it was a bit like a bit like Sunday as well yeah. what um, because this this is kind of rumbled on beyond Sunday beyond the start of the week into, into where we are now on, on Thursday what did you guys make of how the players reacted? Because specifically with Son, it has seemingly amongst a section of the fan base not gone down particularly well um, that James Coleman and some of the players had gone into the changing rooms of Spurs afterwards to console Son and some of them were seen on the pitch trying to calm him down at the time. Yeah. What's your feeling about that? It's it's a very, very difficult one to balance up that. I mean, um, bizarrely, Seamus Coleman's actions, which were altogether more gracious and more classy than Hung Min Son's, haven't received the publicity, you know, so the Hung Min Son's gestures received. Um, I understand why he did it, because obviously Seamus' own personal circumstances yes. are very different, which is why he did it. He's been through that, you know, so he knows... Um, you know what it's like on, you know, to be on the receiving end of that. So you can understand to a degree why he was doing it. But I'm also a little bit uneasy. For me, very, very successful football teams foster this siege mentality. They look after their own, and they, they, you know, so they chase referees in packs. They, you know, they chase you know opposing players in packs. I'm not saying it's right, uh, but you know, the very, very successful teams do it and seem to get away with it. And I'm a little bit uneasy that you know Everton were a little bit. I wouldn't say too much of a soft touch, uh, but didn't show 
that degree of belligerence, that degree of you know, sort of anger um, at one of their own, you know, being left in such a circumstance. Just, just I'm re- thinking back, you know, so Peter Reid and um, when uh, you know Adrian Heath's yeah. suffered that career, you know, so sort of yeah. threatening injury, and you know, so Brian Marwood couldn't go near the ball for you know, so sort of, you know, I don't know for a long time afterwards. I just it's it's a difficult one to to articulate, but I just think that. There's a balance to be to be achieved, and I think that we possibly went too far. You know, so the, the nice guy route at the weekend. I, th- I think maybe, and in, in, in terms of balance, because I've watched it back countless times. Um, I think it is absolutely worth pointing out that a number of players were sort of remonstrating with the referee. Um, Luca Dean was shouting at the ref. Tosin had his point. I think Fabian yeah. Delph had said something to Pochettino, um, but of course. Within the context of all of this, their immediate concern was was Gomez, wasn't it? Rather than yeah, yeah. going over straight to Sun and trying to fill him in, basically. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just don't see what being angry in that situation would have achieved. I, I, I completely disagree with you, Bruno. Well, I think <laughs> I, it's gone. Have you say? Well, I, I, I think it's absolutely spot on what Seamus Coleman did yeah. after the game. You know, he's the captain of Everton Football Club, and at the end of the day, he's our representative both on and off the pitch. And I love to see him going in and doing something like that because you know he has he has lived through yeah. this like from ex, from experience he he absolutely knows what Andre Gomez is going through, and you know we, we've all said that you know Son did mean to bring Gomez down, but he didn't mean to injure him like that. And I think Coleman can could absolutely see see that. Right yeah, no, I wasn't criticising Coleman for his actions because I understand, you know, so why did that? And that was after the match. But I'm just thinking that if there had been, you know, sort of more of a, a siege mentality from the Everton players at that time, the narrative would have been different afterwards. It wouldn't have been about Hongmin Son being the victim. <laughs> he would have been the guilty party. If, if Everton, like Everton's players have all come out after that game and said, right, we equalised because we were playing for Gomez. Yeah. Because that was the first thought in their minds. If they were playing angry against Spurs, they wouldn't have scored. I don't know. I thought the reaction was very, very good. I thought the character was good. You, you don't know. I mean, uh, if, there, yeah, I if there had been more of a, you know, yeah. angry response, who knows? He might have gone and won the game. You, you can't tell. You're, just, you're guessing, aren't you? The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I guess maybe is is that in the in the minds of, of certain supporters in that situation because they're as angry as anybody. Retribution is the is top of the list at that point in the final twelve minutes. Go around and kick the living <laughs> daylights out of them. But of course, at that point, as professional footballers, desperately trying to get something to show for a game that they should yeah. not have been losing. It's, yeah. it's, it's a balance. I mean, I always remember this great interview Ashley Williams gave uh, a couple of years ago. Um, remember, like that Leon nonsense, you know, so where he was, oh, where, he, where he took <laughs> on the entire Leon team, and um, he was asked about it in, in a Sunday newspaper interview uh, a couple of weeks later, and he actually said, he goes, yeah, I do try and play on that edge, try and get myself to a certain degree of anger. He says because I play better, but it, clearly if you overstep that mark, you know, it becomes uh, a negative then, and you're running the risk of being sent off, mm. and you know, so sort of doing your team damage. And it was quite interesting to hear him, you know, so sort of articulate trying to get that level of, you know, sort of. I don't know, anger up to a certain point to be able to perform better. Because, because surely, and, and and I was heartened to see that the players managed to regain their focus because surely if they hadn't and had been playing on a sort of raw emotion fueled by anger, that's what got us into this situation in the first place. Son mm. going going for retaliation. Yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I think 
my take out by, by the way I think wasn't it Coleman went in was it was there other players went into the yeah Coleman and other players, players. Yeah, yeah. and it says he didn't just go in to see Son it was like a meeting of shock professional footballers wasn't it they went in to see, speak to other Spurs players mm-hmm. who were just as shocked them at that of yeah. an injury to a fellow professional footballer so I don't think it was just a case of all crowding around Son and yeah. you know sort of giving him hugs and stuff I think it was a pass or wider sort of thing that was actually happened on the pitch wasn't it mm. they were all collectively collectively shocked so I think that this Coleman gone and see Son I think it's a bit, it was a bit wider than that and um, I, I fully I, I, I don't have a problem with that and people do things that's like the time isn't it people were in shock and and, and Jamie is the captain and also suffered an injury so I don't I don't have a problem with that um, and I think the players reacted in the right way as you say Phil I think the wrong reaction would have been to go around kicking people and I think they were in that much shock that I don't think probably had it in them mm. to do to do that anyway and um, it was I, 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 wouldn't, I don't have any problems with that whether they would need to have a harder head about things is a, probably a different, yeah, different think, question well, to be fair yes. yeah yeah um, but in that instance, I didn't have an issue with anything that was that was done in the aftermath by Coleman and, and the Everton players. Um, to be fair, how do you think uh, the manager, as effectively spokesperson, spokesperson of the football club in that situation, has um, broached both the subjects of Son and obviously within the context of that game, the refereeing decision and VAR in particular, Adam, um, the manager has again. Probably um, divided opinion. He probably wasn't as forceful and as banging the drum and pointing the finger as people would have liked. Um, it, it, it tends not to be his style, but was that the right approach? Uh, I think in terms of Son, it was the right approach. Again, uh, similarly to the players, I don't see what any sort of angry reaction from Silver after the match would have would have gained for Everton in particular. Uh, in terms of VAR, I think... You know he's he's got every right to be a little bit more angry than he's being at the minute. I think he's he he is going a little bit too far in being you know quite nice and you know he keeps saying we've got to respect the referees because it's tough for them and yeah like to to a good degree yes it is tough for an on field referee but that's the whole reason we brought in VAR in the first place mm-hmm. and the the point is it shouldn't be tough for these video assistant referees to get the right decisions because they've you know, especially with that Brighton Michael Keane one, how many times did they look? Thirteen times was it? Did they, look, they looked at it. Thirteen it sh- times too many. Yeah, it, it shouldn't be difficult to get to come to a decision after that. So I, th- I think Silver has every right to be much more angry than that because you know that Brighton one was wrong. Everton t- should have had two penalties against Spurs. Both of them were wrong. Should have had a pen no, against Brighton. Should have had a pen against Brighton. That was wrong. You know, he really should be getting okay, a little then. bit more riled up well, about this. And we were discussing this before we started recording. Again, for balance, playing devil's advocate. Would Marco Silva think to himself, what good would it do anybody, including the team, and myself as manager of the team, to be bleating on and pointing fingers and tearing a strip off VAR and the referee at this point. Because it plants a seed of doubt in the referee's mind then for the next time, doesn't it? Yeah, because it we're, does, we're already yeah. seeing that against us with Richarlison yeah. because people are saying, you know, he's hitting the ground too, early, too easily, blah, blah, blah. You know, a couple of managers might have said that. but And that's definitely in referee's minds now. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt that it's in a referee's mind. If they see Richarlison at the yeah. floor, they think... He does have a bit of a reputation it's, it's, it's for going down too easily. It's that mind games, isn't so it? it? Yeah. So if, if Silver is now coming out in... in post-match press conferences and say these VAR decisions keep going against us blah 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 
perhaps the next time it comes about and a VAR will be looking at it going, we do keep giving these against Everton, maybe we need to give them one. The very best managers do it all the time. Ferguson did it for donkey's years. Mourinho did it all the time. Guardiola didn't, you know, just you know, stumble across that phrase, Mane diving this week. He did it deliberately because he's planting that seed in the referee's mind ahead of the game on Sunday, which is a huge game. That's what clever managers do. And yeah, I think Silva should be trying to influence the PGMOL you know, officials even more. He should be trying to influence referees because Everton have had the bad end of the, uh, the stick over the last uh, few weeks. And people need to be made aware of that. You know, you speak to people nationwide about, you know, saw the injustices Everton have suffered at VAR and they're completely oblivious to it. You know, the Brighton game wasn't televised. So, you know, okay, they'll have watched it on Match of the Day. Spurs game, you know, people might have seen you know, sort of a couple of the incidents there but you know to the general public the wider public at large you know it, it just it's, it's glossed over and I think you've got to try and get it in the consciousness you've got to get it in the headlines of newspapers and make people that are aware of it and then hopefully you know massive game on Saturday you know at Southampton hopefully you know decisions that are a bit of a grey area might go in your favour this time Gav is that, is that a tactic and you know very good points made by Adam yeah. Preno. Is that the tactic you can only really use if you're in a position of strength as a manager? That if you use it otherwise, it, it shows you that um, it just next, comes the next day's headlines are under pressure. Excuses. Marco Silva blames yes. Evans' position on bad refereeing <laughs> decisions and he's having a Kevin Keegan moment here type thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I get that. And I, I think I think the way his approach has been pretty pretty well balanced on the basis that he's not, he's not he's, Marco Silva bleating about is not going to change anybody's opinion about VAR I mean they had a meeting this afternoon yes, isn't it yep. it's only corporate the whole football that can change VAR I mean I, I get so him is not going to influence the bigger picture regarding you know Evan have had injustices every club's had injustices this season I mean look at, look at City this year, went up the Champions League because of a late goal disallowed VAR against Spurs on the opening day. Of Liverpool, I think injustices. Yeah, well, they... about Firmino on Firmino on on, on yeah, Saturday, so. you know. Yeah, but in yeah. in, He's in, in, all, in all those yeah. occasions, though, the managers have come out afterwards and they've bemoaned VAR because. Yeah, of but I'm not saying this. It's not, I mean, I mean, no, sorry, just we're saying that VAR has only targeted Evan. That we be there's loads and loads of clubs. Yeah, we are saying that. I'd be the quantity of times. It's is, three, you know, three times and three or four times. I think. Games, I think is the issue maybe the difference in what because Silva has come out and been critical of VAR, but perhaps is the issue he hasn't gone as far as supporters would yeah. like slash expect him to go because he hasn't come out and gone. Well, he, 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 look, he has stuck to his belief that he thinks VAR is, is the right way to go forward. But after Brighton, he was he was saying how he got it wrong, he wasn't happy. And after Sunday, of course. But it's the expectation from those in the stands that he'll go, VAR is BS. You want your manager of your football club to reflect your views. And you want him to feel the same kind of, you know, sort of passion that you're yeah. feeling. Okay, you also want him to be more detached and, you know, sort of clinical. And there's, you know, a balance yeah. to be achieved. And, uh, you know, Howard used to do it great, Howard Kendall. You know, yeah. he used to get his point across without being angry and without, you know, sort of losing his rag at all. Uh, and the very best managers can do that. Uh, but I just think he's a bit too dispassionate. It's For me, he's almost like verging on that Roy Hodgson territory that got him into, like, so much you know, sort of trouble as Liverpool manager. Yeah. Uh, you know, when he just wasn't seen to be defending his own team. You know, he was being too dispassionate for his own good. Dare I say, does language come into this? Do you think? Almost certainly, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think Marco, although his English is pretty good, I think perhaps certainly in front of a camera he's a little bit not reluctant, but perhaps mm. wary mm. of of getting tied up in, and not getting his message across 
fully, perhaps. I think this is just an exceptional circumstance for Everton, though, isn't it? Like you said, they have like four times in two games the technology yeah. that's meant to be brought in to improve the game has actually gone against Everton. And it, it, they've, been, it, <laughs> they've been extremely controversial circumstances in every single occasion, and I think I think Silver just has every right to be. Even the, games so we, even the games we've won, was it the, the Yerry Mina goal? Um, was it West, West Ham? Ham yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, no one's even mentioned. And yeah, well, it was well, clearly yeah. disallowed for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Marco said, didn't he, the week later at his yeah. press conference, he said nobody's explained yeah. to us why it's, it was yeah. disallowed. But it's been forgotten, it's been glossed over again because no issue was made of it but, at the but, time. But that's the thing, isn't it? There's, there's, there's a lot of discussions at the moment about what does VAR, who does, who's favoured by VAR? Is it big clubs or small clubs? Now, when they had the original VAR plans, the big clubs said that they would be favoured because they get in their opponents after that often in penalty area that actually, you know, yeah. were more likely to get more penalties, goals that were previously offside were now going to score and stuff. Um, clubs that was, shall we say, lower down a league said that, oh no, we're favoured because we, we feel that we're, we're sort of, um, the, the, when we play a top team, you know, the referees don't give decisions against top teams and so they we're favoured you know and the way the way I look at it is I think the what the ones who are not favoured by VR when we're where the talking points are about VR is all clubs in Everton's position because all the games are going to be tight and any VAR decision is is going to have a, a more direct impact on the game than what some of the games that you're talking about there Plow. Doesn't matter, you know, if if will get beat one nil on, on Saturday, they'd be talking about Firmino's Disallowed goal. If you're if if you're a big club, you know you're going to win most games three or four nil. So if there's not VAR decision that goes against you, like us against West Ham, it, it is going to be glossed over, isn't it? Yeah. Space, um, Man City, Bournemouth, where they didn't get the Aguero quite clearly a penalty. I think they won the game anyway, didn't it? Didn't matter. Mm. It glossed over. The one the ones that the talking points that are the clubs who are in Evans' position where the VAR has a far more significant. It, impact it, yeah. on the game than big clubs, it, and then and then people think that actually, oh, we're the only clubs who are getting those those bad decisions. When actually, there's bad decisions against gone some against some big clubs this year, but because they've either won the game three or four nil, or they've got the mental ability to fight back mm. once the decision's gone against them, which I think is another thing about VAR. You, they are glossed over, and I think we get an unrealistic view as a consequence, not just Everton, but other clubs in our position. But there's not been a half of football like that in the Premier League so no, far no, this shocking, season. Shocking. I think that, like, that was the biggest advert for taking away VAR yeah. that we've seen so far this season. But if you were just to look at Silva's comments and you hadn't seen that half of football, yeah. there is no way that you would think that. And I think that's, that's, that's what doesn't sit right with Everton fans. Because yeah. his his comments don't really match just how ludicrous that that second half was. Because it was an absolute joke for anyone inside that stadium. Yeah. The, the lack of communication was shocking. No well, one knew was what it. was the, going the, on. I forget which. I think it might have been the um, the, the son. You know, sort of penalty appeal, and you know, play stopped. And it, it took me literally about sixty seconds before I realised. Oh, the screen says you know checking for penalty and that, that's why they, they aren't playing there's mm. no announcements no yeah. one knows mm. it was 26 times they looked at the, the <laughs> Deli Ali handball yeah. wasn't it that's a separate discussion but I know I get that and I get why Everton fans are up in arms and I think I know you said about like that Silver should deflect the views of the, the fans reflect the views of the fans well they've got a meeting this afternoon haven't they mm. as, as I said the second time I said that is well as long as he reflects in that mean that's yeah. what he wants yeah. isn't it and I'm sure, I'm sure he will. The captive I, I, I'm sure man, he'll yeah. go with a DVD, whatever, of four decisions that have gone against Everton over the last 
two games. It's to be fair, I think the the Ali one is definitely a handball and penalty. I'm not. Sure, I'm still not convinced about the Richarlison one at Brighton. To be fair, I mean the Richarlison one on Sunday probably, you know, uh, and the penalty at Brighton. Yeah, uh, you can be here all day talking about the. No, we know the same. Yeah, 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 but that's that's part of the problem. But I think as long as he reflects the views of the sport in in that meeting and through the right channels, then I've not got a problem. Mm. Um, before we move on to Richarlison. Um, despite the you know dark situation around Gomez and 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 the fact that he suffered a horrific injury um Marco Silva today saying there remains hope he could play again this season wow it's positive well that's very very heartening mm. and I hope that's the case I mean when Spurs away just in time for that oh, maybe oh, wow. <laughs> imagine yeah, that'll be on live the won't it yeah. that'll be on live yeah. <laughs> I think the, the away following will clearly make Hung Min Son aware of their feelings <laughs> in, the, in the situation no that, that is good to hear that's, that is great news you know he's one of my favourite players Gomez he's like, such an influence on the team and you just hope that that's not just the manager, you know, sort of sugarcoating it and saying something positive for the players' benefit. But, he, but I suppose if there is genuinely a 50, 55% chance that that could be possible, Gomez does need to hear that as a target, doesn't he? Absolutely, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's great. You know, it's very, very positive to hear that. And I hope that is the case. Still doesn't underline the, also overcome the fact that we are going to be without him no. for a long chunk of the game or season at a time when we already have you know another influential or could have been another influential midfielder missing. I mean, when's John Jean Philippe Gabalin going to be fit again? Do we, well, I mean, the, the, the midfield is another podcast and probably is a, a podcast for the international break, isn't it in itself? But um, fit again, hopefully at some point in January. Right. But ready again, ready to, <laughs> ready to start a Premier League game <laughs> yeah. again. Uh, yeah, your, your guess is as good as mine. Okay, uh, we will move on to Richardson. Um, Adam, is he a diver? No, <laughs> no. Uh, I know he's not. Absolutely. By the way, I just for the purposes of a debate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. I think you know a diver and somebody who goes down a little bit too easily are two very different things. I think Richardson is still in this sort of mindset where you know if he gets touched in any sort of way, then he has some sort of uh, right, almost to go down. Do, sorry to interrupt, Adam. Do you not think that though is a situation born out of him being when he was at Watford, he was one of the most foul players in the Premier League mm-hmm. season. Last season, he was one of the most foul Premier League players. This season, I think he's sixth or seventh most fouled mm-hmm. player in the Premier League. Is he not just going? I'm sick to death of this. Every yeah. time I get any sort of contact, I'm going down. Probably. Yeah, yeah. I think I get sick sick to death of just being booted every game. I mean, like that Spurs game. I think he he saw probably the ill effects of maybe a boy who cries wolf a little bit too much. You know, if he does go down a little bit too easily, then you know, I think in that game, Martin Atkinson definitely was looking at some of those decisions, and he was saying, oh, "Richarlison's the one on the floor here. He, you know, he might not have had as big a contact as as mm. as he might be making out, but." He's, he's no diver. And I think, you know, Marco Silva made that clear in his press conference. You know, he never goes down without any contact at all. And I think it's absolutely right that Silva is having a few words with him and saying, look, if you're going to be leading the line for a Premier League team, you do need to be a little bit stronger in these sorts of situations. And then, you know, in a weird sort of way, maybe you'll see more decisions going for you if you stay on your feet a little bit more. It's, it, it, it's probably hard to explain to somebody who's 
only, you know, he was only 22 for a start and who has only been playing in the Premier League for not even two and a half seasons yet. Yeah. So it, and he's it, South American. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's it, part it, of the it, football it, culture. Yeah, it's a, pro, it's a process America. for him. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm, uh, he's, he's no diver. <laughs> like, I think... Sorry, Gav, he, surely he needs protection. And I know it's a, it's a very wide-ranging phrase that we, we roll out. But we've just been talking about Andre Gomez being cynically fouled mm. and suffering a season-probably-ending, possibly-ending injury. Charleston's getting kicked every game. Yeah, but he needs so to how we, So yeah. we are very, very fortunate he's not suffered serious injury, aren't we? Without having a look through all the, the fouls that have been, they're all fouls. Course, yeah, yeah, of course, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I think Silver said yesterday that he needs to protect himself mm. a little bit more. That that's the first thing. How does he do that? Yeah. Uh, well, staying on his feet would be uh, would be helpful. He's less liable to get to get injured. Um, I agree totally with Adams. There's a clear, disc- you know, difference between somebody who's a dive and somebody who goes to the ground too yes. easily. And the problem with the Charleston is he goes to the ground too easily in all parts of the pitch. And I know there's an article this week which caused it, and one of the <laughs> one of the nationals caused a little bit of um, you know discussion on this issue. And and the problem with that is is not only like what Adam's saying is there that when you're fouled in the box you may get not get a penalty. Is you, you players going on around you and you're lying on the ground? Yes. And so you're not contributing to the game. You're not effective. And also then, are you in the right mental state as soon as you yeah. get up again to start yeah. playing at 100% and being on the edge, as, as Preno was saying there? And I think what was said in, in Nationals was, was, was spot on. And he, he, has to, he has to get that mentality. He has to just stay on his feet to, to, to the start and protect himself and, and take it from there. Um, and it's probably a compliment to him that he's one of the most foul players isn't he really? But there's a lot. There's a lot of players that who get fouled a lot who don't have that same reputation. It's frustrating, isn't it, when you see? I mean, I know I caused all the the, the social media furor. Yeah, yeah. And that's because you know coming in a week where Sadio Mane has been booked for simulation, and Liverpool have another you know forward Mo Salah who goes to ground very very easily and exaggerates contact quite dramatically. And yes, doesn't seem to suffer the same way. You know, doesn't seem to have the same kind of reputation. You know, so even though clearly there's a long track record, you know, so for both of them, that's what got people so angry. That, well, hang on, you know, Richarlison is, you know, suffering contact. You know, he is making the most of it. The one that gets me is like really holds his head at least two or three times every game where he's had a bang on the back of the head. Um, you know, he does seem to be suffering unfairly. You know, there are other far more high-profile examples of actual divers in the Premier League that haven't got the same reputation that he has, and that's unfair. Well, isn't it a sort of wicked irony that actually in that same game on Sunday, um, one of the decisions reviewed by VAR included a rather theatrical dive by Son? Would we agree? Oh, 100%, yeah. It was, but, no, but nobody's discussing that. But everybody's yeah. discussing Richarlison going down. Exactly. That, that was that was simulation for me, you know, so pure and simple. There was the, the, the fleeting contact, wasn't there, on the... There was, there was slipping Yerry Mina. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And yes, you know, it's not even reviewed. It's uh, Sorry, Prime. No, I'll go on, because I'm... I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Frustrated <laughs> by it. But, but that's, not, that's not the point here, it is. It's not about diving, is it? And going down in the area, like some of the players that Prano mentioned there it's about during the course of 90 minutes that ability to go ground go to ground exaggerating or not at far too many occasions 
um, and staying on the ground too long when right. you're obviously not injured, when yes. you're not contributing to the play and you're not putting yourself in the right mental state to play the game. And that's completely different to me to some of the things that are being said about Mane and Salah, mm. which actually should be said about Mane and Salah for me. But the Richarlison thing is a different. It's it's the amount of... It, it's a question of quantity against quality, I think, here. It's the amount of times that Richarlison is on the ground. Mind you, I remember years ago sitting in the press box, and when Victor Anitivi was playing for us, he started the game, that was spread bed, but spread bed, <laughs> spread bed, with the lad sitting next to me about how many minutes it would take Anitivi to go to the ground. Yeah. You know, and, and, and big... Big Vic was called after the reason he was a big, big unifixer, yeah, wasn't he? Yeah. Like, yeah, that. But Jordan, he, he, then he'd lie down on the ground mm. for like five minutes when he'd obviously not even been touched that much, you know, because that was just his mentality. Mm. And I think uh, Richarlison's got a little bit of a uh, little bit of that, and he needs, you know, Marco said last night he needs to toughen up. But then again, quite rightly said that today that he's not, he's not, not a, a diver because yeah. the two the two things are completely different. Yeah. I guess is that a byproduct of uh, having young players at the minute as your centre forward of choice? Because you know, experienced centre forward in that respect probably wouldn't necessarily be doing the same things. I say quantity over quality, Freud. You know, it goes against them. You know, I think, and I think, um, I think it's like like what Adam was saying is right. Is you wonder on that penalty on Sunday at the part that you know, perhaps about psychology. And maybe a Brighton, it's Richarlison, he goes down 10 times a game. Mm. And the referee not wanting to be bothered. If if the on-field referee gives that decision, I think the VAR VAR is instantly swayed, I think, towards sticking with the on-field referee's decision in most most scenarios. Like, I think, is it only still still the Everton one against Brighton that's seen a VAR overturn? A referee's decision. Well, that to was give the a first or another fall that weekend. Yeah, yeah. It was well, just like almost like they decided let's start overruling them now because we're getting so much flack for not doing it. Which <laughs> is not going to make it, make it off, yeah. off, off the hoof once again. Yeah. Uh, okay, before we do finish this uh, venting prod, uh, podcast, um, there's a game on Saturday. Strip uh, to, <laughs> to Southampton and a big game it is as well. Um, Preno, um, <laughs> confident? Um, relatively. Um, we want 10 what <laughs> no it's, it's 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 a huge game I know we say this every single time we're in here you know for the the circumstances surrounding the manager's future but you know you, you, December is getting very very close now and you look at that fixture list and it is the fixture list from hell and so Everton do need to not lose at Southampton and they do need to beat Norwich on the 23rd mm. the first game back otherwise you, you would begin to fear, you know, for the manager's future. Um, you know, Farhad Mashiri has proved in the past that if his Premier League, you know, project is in any way threatened, he will take action. And if Everton don't win at Southampton, or if Everton lose at Southampton and don't beat Norwich, clearly it will be. You know, we're only just outside the relegation zone as it is. So it's a massive game. And it's against a team that is, is, is poor. You know, we should be looking to do well against them. But it's the old, our away form is so much different to our home form scenario. And then Southampton, obviously bristling after what Leicester did to them, put in a very, very solid performance at the Etihad. And, you know, we're quite unfortunate in some respects, you know, so to, to just lose the game. So it's going to be a tough game. But if you're looking at the qualities of the respective squads, Everton should have too much for them. Uh, but no, I'm not wildly confident that, you know, yeah, Southampton are rubbish, Everton will go there and win. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's going to be a tough game, but Everton needs to put the same levels of commitment 
and you know attitude in that they showed against West Ham and that they showed you know for large parts of the uh, the Tottenham game performance okay against Tottenham you know so they're a decent side Tottenham despite their away form and you know there were, there were times in the game you thought yeah they're doing okay yeah, they're having a go it wasn't wide open it wasn't like thrilling football but to suffer the way they suffered and still have the character to come back and get a result performances are probably better than the results are showing at the moment mm. Um, so it's a game that Everton should be winning, uh, and you know. But if, if we Everton lose that game for any reasons, uh, I do begin to get really, really concerned about the manager's long-term future. Gav, thoughts going into the uh... must not lose rather than must win yeah. game for me. I think Silver said it's a must win game did he, today. I'm not sure. I think he, he, he was asked directly yeah, yeah, that yeah. question, um, so it, it was hard for him to avoid yeah. it. Really, I, yeah. think, I think he's saying every game's must win. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, I'd say must not lose at this stage of the season. Mm. But a take on board Prano's point that given the proximity of December, actually we need to get a few points on the uh, yeah on the board. And I, I think yeah, though we say oh we look at our squad on paper, but our squad on the pitch is completely different looks completely different than what it does on, on paper. And I think it'll be a tough game. I think they'll still be bristling after a nine nil defeat to Leicester at home. Never thought I'd ever say that in a conversation. Yeah. Like, you know? yeah. And uh, do remember when we beat Southampton 8 0? Yeah, yeah. Um, and 7 1. Yeah. Yeah, we've had but, a couple of big wins against them. But I think uh, must not lose for me, especially given the, the state of our midfield as well, which will be quite an interesting <laughs> little setup on there uh, at the weekend. So I'll be happy with the draw win. Excellent. Mm. What was said today about Fabian Delph? Is he. Well, the feedback. The feedback earlier in the week was you'd be assessing missed training on Tuesday. Uh, didn't play, take a full part in training on Wednesday. Uh, he's been pictured at training on Thursday, but we don't know how much of a part of the session right. he took. Silver said he remains a big doubt. I don't know whether that's a manager keeping his cards mm-hmm. close to his chest or not. Um, but given we're sort of 36 hours out, are we from the game, whatever it is, I personal feeling is I think he's got a chance. Right. But mm. I don't know. I'm not saying that with any certainty. So we're not going to be seeing four through three again then. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he he could he could play Delph, Davis, and Schneider. That's a Delph's fit. Yeah. yeah. Um, could they play or Schneider, or Schneider, yeah. play Wolves, Everson. Yeah. Yeah. Or Sigurdsson. Gomez was quite advanced, wasn't he? At times on yeah. uh, on Sunday. But uh, Adam, your thoughts going into the game? Uh, I'm not particularly confident, just because of you know general away form and form on the south coast as well we haven't <laughs> we haven't won on the south coast since what is it august 2015 it's the last time we won on the south coast which is three draws eight defeats yeah it's that that lovely green kiss it was yeah, yeah. so that's that's a bit of a nightmare to be honest but the only thing that is giving me a little bit of confidence is that probably our best away performance of the season came against brighton now it was only you know that var decision and losing the reds after that a little bit yes. which cost us that game really mm. and you know you really hope that it, the same wouldn't happen again and if it did happen again we'd react a lot differently this time around but you know it, it, give, it does give me some hope that the best away performance of the season was in the last game uh, they're going to have uh, a lot of desire to try and put that uh, good performance to a good result this time around and I disagree I, 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 I'd I want to win I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure a draw is satisfactory to be honest uh, I, I think I think it is a must-win game, really, especially going into a you know another long international break. You just you just want to be as far away from that relegation zone as possible. They're three points behind us, aren't they, Southampton? I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you want to you want to get you want to get some distance, especially as you know as you've both said with the December run of fixtures. We, you've we've got I think a win in in this sort of game 
is vital, really. Okay, uh, prediction time. Adam, we'll stay with you and work backwards. Uh, your prediction then for the game? Uh, I'll resist the temptation to go 8-0. And I'll go uh, <laughs> ten. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll go two nil, two nil Everton. Well, clean sheet on the road, Gav. Clean sheet. I'm fed up saying that we'll win and we don't. So I'm going <laughs> <laughs> um, to go for a, a, a sterile. Tell you what, I'm going to go for a sterile goalless wow. draw. Gav, I've got to drive to Southampton. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, not yeah. accepting yeah. nil nil. But well, I'm always wrong, Phil. So ah. you know. Be, be, be worried, be worried yeah, if yeah, they say 3-0 yeah. to Everton, you know yeah. what I mean? Okay. Fair enough. Well, I called a draw against Spurs, but I'm, I'm going to go for a narrow away win, 2-1 two, one, two, one win. I think uh, we've just got that little bit too much, hopefully. <laughs> yes. Uh, come on, you got 1-1 one, one spot on last time, so... I did, yeah, I think I agree with you, though. I think it'd be narrow. I think uh, I think we might nick it 1-0. Yeah. Well, I'll be thrilled by that. Okay. Yeah. Chaps, thank you very much for your company. Lively and uh, very interesting debate about several issues uh, doing the round at the moment. And thank you for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.